Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 123 of my podcast for July 14th, 2011. Today's episode is produced in partnership with the Healthcare Value Network, and you can learn more about them by going to www.healthcarevalueleaders.org. And today's episode is a discussion with two leaders from Group Health Cooperative, a consumer-governed nonprofit healthcare system based in Seattle, Washington. And my guests are Dr. Claire Truscott, the Primary Care Medical Director, and Alicia Eng, Vice President of Primary Care. And we'll be talking about their use of lean principles in the design and ongoing management of their medical home approach to primary care and wellness. And if you want to read um, articles uh, that describe the benefits to the patients and caregivers beyond what they'll talk about in this episode, you can visit the blog post for this episode at www.leanblog.org slash 123. And if you want to hear an earlier interview from back in 2007 with some other leaders from Group Health, you can go to leanblog.org slash 23. As always, thanks for listening. Alicia and Claire, thanks for taking time to talk about your work here on the podcast today. You're welcome. Great. Alicia, um, we're going to start with you. If you can um, introduce yourself to the listeners and and talk about um, some of your background, please. Sure. My name is Alicia Ng. I've been with Group Health for the past 14 years. I'm currently in the role of interim vice president for primary care services and uh, was pre- have previously been in administration and clinic operations manager role um, within our primary care system. More recently was the clinic manager of our medical home pilot site in Factoria, Bellevue, Washington. And um, I'm now excited to be working on behalf of primary care overall. Okay, thanks, Alicia. And Claire, if you could um, tell us a little bit about your background and also um, give an introduction to Group Health Cooperative. Sure. I'm a family medicine physician and have been a practicing physician for a long time, over 25 years, but currently hold uh, the position of medical director of primary care at Group Health Cooperative. Group Health is a large integrated system of healthcare. We have both a delivery system and a financing system or insurance plan. We serve about 600,000 people in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we have 26 primary care clinics spread across the state of Washington with one small one in northern Idaho as well. Primary care also encompasses behavioral health and a few other parts of the organization, but I think today we'll be mostly focused on primary care uh, in the clinics. Okay, thanks, Claire. And, you know, we're, we're talking about the patient-centered medical home and um, how that works and, and the overlap with lean. Um, but, Claire, can you give some of the basics? Uh, a lot of listeners might not be familiar with the term or the concept. Can you describe um, kind of the, the basics and the highlights of, of what is the patient-centered medical home? You know, I think when you talk to people all over the country, you could get as many stories as the people you talk to. So it is, it's a somewhat loose term. It isn't um, greatly defined, I would say. We do have some guidelines, though, and we have set up some national guidelines. I think one of the better ways to explain it at this time would be just our story of what the medical home is. When we um, attempted to provide better and better service to our patients, 
in a setting of also implementing an electronic medical record, we had a certainly a, a significant workload problem and a quality problem in primary care in our uh, clinics. And we decided we needed to redesign the workflow in primary care. And there were a couple of important principles. One is we did bring in lean as one of the, the ways we approached it. And that was the first time our organization had used lean. And secondly, we co-created it with our research institute. And it was created, ours was created on a vision of relationship-based care. It stresses the interpersonal relationship between the physician, their team, and the patient, and continuous healing relationships. Hmm. The patient-centeredness, at least in our design, came from the fact that a patient needs to be somewhat uh, needs to be much more engaged in the direction of their medical care. That a treatment plan for a patient is partly created by them with very individual targets them understanding it and feeling like they own it. It isn't just a prescription handed to them by a doctor. So there's a different way that the patient is engaged in this care. At the same time, we changed the way we flowed work in our clinics so that we could more effectively have interpersonal time with patients, form stronger relationships, and use um, IT and other systems to be much more effective and efficient with this work. And, and the term, just even the, the portion medical home, doesn't um, refer at all to anything taking place in the home, but it's that the patient chooses a primary care relationship to be the home for their their health uh, maintenance or health care. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. It began uh, in the 60s in pediatrics and as a pediatric medical home, and it was uh, thinking of your primary care physician as the person that coordinates your care that you come home to and everything else, it, it, it's like the uh, the hub of a wheel. And the rest of the healthcare system is coordinated from that site. I think another way to think of it rather than taking place in the home is the patient's home base. Um, as Claire says, it doesn't necessarily mean that that primary care clinic and the practitioner does everything for that patient, but like she said, it's the coordinator, and they know all the things that are going on with that patient. And so that collaboration between patient and um, that, that primary provider um, plays the role of, of, of coordinator, and it, w would you say that, um, you know, in the medical home, the primary um, care team has a better picture of, of that patient's overall health, or let's say if a patient's been referred um, to specialists or other um, providers that they... Uh, can you tell me you know, how, how does that um, better mm -hmm. coordination or, or visibility to care take place? You know, one of the more important things is that with the EMR and with the technology we have, we actually can see what our patient needs much actually before they know they need it. So we can we know who they are, what their age is, what their past history is, and with our electronic medical record, we can understand whether they need a certain type of exam or a certain type of test. We also can see who they're touching and where and when and why and understand what's going on with them. And so we have a, an ability to be much more proactive in mm -hmm. how we do healthcare and pull people in. Prior to this, uh, healthcare was done by you having to show up at your doctor's office and they address what's going on today, and maybe they see your long-term needs and mm -hmm. maybe not. This is a way we pull even low utilizers into healthcare and see what they need before it even occurs to them that they need it. And then from that aspect of being proactive, um, 
undoubtedly there are patient there are patient benefits in terms of of their health, but then with the structure of group health being both insurer and care provider, um, I, I would assume or maybe you, you can tell us what the benefits have been to that integrated um, system that you have of of being more proactive and as you said calling in patients um, to to help um, maintain their care. Can you share some examples or data about that? Well, I can say that, uh, so also group health is a multi-special, a large, has a mul many large multi-specialty groups. So we consider ourselves a primary care-based healthcare system, but we actually are, have a much larger and much uh, more expensive uh, multi-specialty group. So how a patient navigates through that specialty group and in and out of hospitals and other sites uh, is coordinated more easily through our electronic medical records. So again, we can see what's happening in all those locations. Mm -hmm. But when when you talk about um, the idea of bringing in, um, uh, you know, so-called underutilizers of care, I mean, there's a lot of discussion when people talk about healthcare costs of um, you know the other side of the equation, overutilization of care, and in in maybe in a less integrated type approach, bringing more people in for more care might add costs, but is it true in, in your system that um, being more proactive um, with patients is actually reducing costs? I mean, I believe I've seen some data that talks about reducing hospital admissions and reducing emergency room visits. That's absolutely right. Would you like with to <laughs> That's absolutely right, right, Mark. And with our model of a health plan and delivery system, there's not incentives for our physician uh, staff to to do treatments and uh, procedures that are, are um, medically unnecessary or not evidence-based, and we have actually incentives to take care of our panel of our groups of patients in a more preventive, holistic um, wellness way. And um, from the original pilot at Factoria and um, subsequent spread, the decrease in ambulatory care sensitive hospitalization and inpatient days and ED urgent care costs have paid more than uh, cover the additional investment in primary care. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it sounds like the, it's a, a great system with benefits all around. I know when I've had the chance to come visit group health um, and, and see the clinics and, and, and talk about the process and proactive management of care, you know, my own reaction was to, to wish that I had um, a similar um, sort of set up here in Texas, because like a lot of patients, I have the kind of traditional fragmented, um, you know, reactive um, healthcare. Uh, but um, Alicia, I'm um, turning the conversation a little bit um, toward lean. Um, can you can you share for the listeners how lean concepts or the the many years of of lean learning and implementation at Group Health contributed to um, the design and, and the ongoing work of mm -hmm. um, patient-centered medical home? So the original pilot we did at Factoria was at a time when Group Health hadn't formally adopted a, a, a systematic lean strategy. So what was uh, piloted there and studied by our research institute um, was you know, was, you know, was a multitude of strategies that we implemented in the medical home and when that was successful, we needed to figure out a way to codify that or break that down. And so our, our initial step around um, applying lean uh, to this work was around doing a value stream mapping event. 
So looking at the success at that one clinic in Victoria and defining and understanding what were those elements that uh, made this work successful. And so our first application of Lean in the Medical Home was to do that value stream event and figure out what that was, and then um, needing to figure out the strategy to spread that work. And so the way we did that was to identify those uh, seven or eight elements that needed uh, that we should spread and do a rapid process improvement workshop on each one of those elements where we bring frontline teams together, multidisciplinary group, for a week to design the standard work for each of those elements. Um, and then with three clinics, tested that standard work, improved on it, um, further defined it, and that's what subsequently got rolled out every 10 weeks each element being rolled out every 10 weeks to every clinic across our 26 medical centers. And in, in that value stream event, uh, was that a value stream of um, high-level patient flow through through the overall care process, or what, what were the boundaries kind of beginning and end point of that value stream? Uh, it, was, it was a value stream map around the various strategies, whether it was around how we take care of patients in the clinic how we um, communicate and meet their needs virtually, how we um, prepare for the visit, manage acute care needs and chronic disease needs. Um, so everything from staffing to operational process flows. So I want to ask um, follow up when you talk about standard work, and I'd be curious to get both of your perspectives on this. Um, you know, for people outside of healthcare. Um, who are familiar with standard work, you know, they might think, um, and in fact, this might this is the same thing that gets said sometimes by um, very experienced clinicians. You know, you, on the one hand, you talk about very personalized, um, individualized patient care um, and individualized patient health, um, but then, you know, you're talking about standard work. Um, can, you, can you talk about how standard work fits into that context of, of, of having standard processes and, and using that to set up um, perhaps, you know, the flexibility uh, in, in patient care. Yeah, I would can speak to that, Mark. As you probably may know, anytime you talk about lean in healthcare, physicians uh, start to talk about the uh, fact that they will never do standard work and that we are the factory and there are many, and we are actually quite concerned about implementing lean in a healthcare setting. What's been surprising to me is that when you do it well, it actually fits very well into healthcare. Physicians are accustomed to doing clinical care in standard ways and adjusting to standards of care. So standardizing work is inherent in the way physicians are trained and in using um, data and data systems to see how we're doing, to set targets, to make those visible. It actually is uh, fits very well into clinical practice. So that was surprising to me as we did this work. Before we did, we used lean, we had tried to do some improvements in primary care between different clinics, and we had never been able to get one clinic to adopt what another clinic did on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Lean gave us the ability to actually define standard work, to know if it's being done or not, to make targets visible in the clinic, and uh, actually spread those in a defined way to every single one of our clinics. The management discipline in Lean allowed us to know that it, or gave us the ability to see it, to make sure it was uh, being implemented appropriately, and today it really helps us sustain that standardization. 
And I would also say the fact that we do continuous improvement of our standard work and we have input from the entire workforce helps with the credibility with the workforce is that if they do not think it's the right standard work, they will have some power in changing it for the entire system. Well, sure. and, and that- That's exactly right. Claire. Um, what Claire described was the, the main elements of our daily management system, the standard work, manager standard work, and the visual system. And so then um, one, one other question that comes to mind is, uh, and, and I think you, know, you, you touched on the classic lean cultural component of continuous improvement and, and, and staff engagement through the rapid improvement workshops and, and through ongoing um, continuous improvement um, that just, you know, to, to clarify for those listeners, this, this certainly sounds like this wasn't, you know, a top-down mandate that was being um, forced on people. Well, Claire, actually, can you talk about that? I, I would think it, it did, for some people, it did feel that way. Uh, absolutely. I think what we are concentrating now is called frontline improvement, where really it's very much engaging the front lines. But our initial step was did feel more top-down. And I would say when you put in an electronic medical record and an electronic scheduling system, there is a loss of autonomy in a big system of healthcare mm-hmm. that doctors feel and nurses feel. And this, But it also gives you the power of working as a system rather than an individual. So there's plus and minus. Uh, of it. I, we tried to get around some of this by having frontline representation from multiple places in the state with every component of frontline work and to have champions in different parts of the state on every component. So we worked on this continuously to make sure the voice of our workforce was involved in the work. But for people who had to start to do things a different way than they did it before because we said they had to do it, I'm sure there was a certain amount of top-down feel yeah. to this. It, it sounds like what you said during those first cycles, there was this idea of um, spreading the standard work and improving it, that um, that there were, there was some iteration, at least through uh, iterative learning through those first cycles before that process was, was rolled out um, mm-hmm. prior to then the, the continuous improvement. Correct. And we have been, uh, since we rolled it out, we have taken each component and done statewide PDCAs on each of those with input from the entire workforce. So we've changed our standard work. We're continuously changing it on a statewide basis. And then just one other follow-up question, Um, Claire, when you had mentioned um, targets, performance measures, making those targets clear, um, can can you summarize what some of those performance measures are um, from a patient standpoint and from a a group health perspective? Uh, Yeah, we have many, but I'll tell you two of them. One is our clinicians have to chart care plans that are collaboratively designed with the patient are visible in our electronic record and handed to patients in a paper copy as well. So all of our physicians uh, need to chart a distinct way for patients with certain chronic diseases. And that, that um, we actually look at how many um, patients in a certain group have a care plan. We put, we make this visible to the physicians, and we require a certain percentage have them in any given day. Um, so that's a type of standard work that really gets into the clinical content and the, how our physicians do our work. I want to also say one other thing about sustainability of standard work and visual systems. We have a call management system where calls coming into the clinic 
can go directly to the nurse or the physician and have no secretary in between. And so for this to work, there are times during the day when our physician would be the first person on the call. Mm. Um, we actually measure this every day. Who's been, who took calls? How many? How many minutes were you available? And this, some doctors love it, some don't. The only way to really sustain this is keep this teamwork uh, engagement visible and speak to it almost on a daily basis. And Alicia, um, you know, as we start to wrap up here, do you, do you have any thoughts you can share about some of the performance measures um, that, that you've seen impacted through, uh, through these initiatives? Yes, so each one of these initiatives, as they were designed, um, uh, came, came out with in-process measures as well as outcome measures. So there are um, things that are tracked and uh, in view uh, at the team level, at the frontline level, around how the process is going for each one of the elements. And it's how they know on a daily uh, or weekly basis how the process is working in their clinics. And they actively huddle. Um, in the teams and, and look at this data so they can know at any given time how they're doing. And the idea around the in-process measures then is that if they're doing this, the processes are in place and consistent and capable, the outcome measures will come. So the outcome measures are things around our clinical uh, quality, um, access, and um, our, our, our growth or our success in, in managing patient populations. Okay, thanks, Alicia. Um, Claire, do you have any um, final thoughts or um, advice that you would give um, to other organizations that um, are looking at doing this kind of work or doing this work or any you know, key lessons learned from your introduction to um, lean principles from your standpoint as a physician leader? First of all, I would say don't be afraid of it. It actually works very well in healthcare. But I, and I think our biggest learning, as, as um, Alicia said, we were learning lean as we were building this and spreading it. And there was a significant difference when we went from using lean as a set of tools and went into the arena of, of a management system. It, it, that's when it really became a much more vibrant change. The fact that we are disciplined, that every Thursday all of us are in the clinics or at the points of care and talking to frontline staff, every level of leadership, that being in the Gemba, there is, that is what has kept it alive, is sustaining it, and really, uh, I think, the most powerful component of what we did. Thanks, and Alicia, um, I guess, you know, likewise, any, um, you know, a key lesson learned to reflect upon or um, advice for other leaders that um, might be listening? I would just echo what Claire is saying, and it's really around sustaining that and being um, having the discipline to, to keep that intact. Because once you stop checking something and stop um, looking or making it visible, we, we start to erode. Well, and it sounds like with that understanding and with, with the move toward um, lean management system and, and staff engagement that, you know, rather than erosion, it sounds like it'll be um, you know, a thriving um organization, um, you know, going into the future. So I want to thank you uh, for taking time today. Um, Alicia Eng and Dr. Claire Truscott, um, thanks for talking with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.